He had a plan. I'm so glad. We turn into Acts 10. We're going to be there in just a minute. I'm going to read a few verses to start that aren't, aren't on the screen, guys. So just leave that initial screen up there for just a minute. The door is open to all. Today is the big day. As we get to Acts 10, we've seen the door kind of cracked open as we've seen in Acts 10. I mean, Acts 2, when Peter got up and preached his sermon to the Jewish people there on the day of Pentecost, and that door was cracked open to a few that day, to God's chosen people. Then we got over in Acts 8, and we've seen the door cracked open a little bit wider. It was cracked open to the Samaritans. We've seen uh, what went on there. we also seen the salvation of, of Saul there in that chapter. And now we come to Acts 10, and this, the door's going to get kicked wide open. Today, salvation comes to the Gentiles. And that's very important for me and you, because guess what? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And today, the door is cracked wide open. It's just busted wide open. There's no more crack. It's just wide open. And the light is coming through. And the light of that world, is, the light of this world is Jesus Christ. I wanted to talk to you just real quickly before we started here. I wanted to read these verses very familiar to you over Matthew 16. You don't have to turn there. And like I said, it's not up here, guys. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the one, Peter said. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. But by my Father in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, talking about Jesus Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And here's what I want you to understand. He's talking to Peter now. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter, here's the keys. You know, if you've got a door that's locked and you're trying to go through that door, there's got to be a key to unlock that door. Jesus said, Peter, here's the keys. And there's going to be a time coming real soon that you're going to use these keys to unlock the door. And I told you about those locks that Peter began to unlock. Acts 2, he unlocks the door to the Jewish people. Acts 8, he unlocks the door to the Samaritans. And today he takes the keys of the kingdom and unlocks that door to the Gentiles, to everyone around the world, around the globe, no matter man, woman, boy or girl, no matter what race, what color, what creed, you can be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. These are the keys of the kingdom. I give you the keys, and we all have that key. We all have that key now. We can unlock that, that door to someone and tell them about Jesus. We can show them how to get through this door. Who is that door? What is that door? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. Those that want to go to heaven has got to come through me. And we can unlock that door. We can show people what that's about. And that's what Peter was doing today. A few weeks ago, my last sermon before Brother Fred spoke so well last week, um, we talked about Saul, who became Paul, and him being saved. And so Saul kind of goes on the back burner just for a minute in Acts. And Peter makes one more appearance here. And it's a very, very big day for Peter as he goes. Now, this happens about 10 years. This happens about 10 years after Pentecost. And so, you know, my first thought was, why didn't it go faster? But just like Sarah just saying, God has a plan. He had a plan. He knew how that plan was going to unfold. And he began to unfold that plan. And he unfolded that plan to the Jewish people, Samaritans, the Gentiles. And we see that plan unfolding here before us. Now, let's look at uh, Acts 10, verses 1 through 
verse 1. We've got, got a lot to read today, but I'm going to try to go fast. So hang in there with me as we go, all right? Verse 10, I mean, chapter, Acts 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, all right? Now, Cornelius is a Gentile, and also it tells us here a little bit more about Cornelius. He was a centurion. Now, you take the word centurion, and that means you were over about 100 men. He had 100 men under his charge. He was a, a soldier in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family, very important here, look at this. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. And he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Now, real quick, some things to know here. Caesarea is about 65 miles northwest of Jerusalem. In between Caesarea and Jerusalem was Joppa. Joppa was about 30 miles. To make a 65-mile journey, it took about four days. Here, a little bit later on, we're going to see that Peter is in Joppa, and God's going to ask him to go to Cornelius, and so it takes him a couple days to journey those 30 miles, 35 miles, to get to Caesarea. The other important part here is that I want you to see how close you can be to, to, to religion and, and even pray and even do a lot of good things. But you know what? Let's read it one more time. Let, read there with me in, in verse 2. And this is very important, guys. Very important this morning. He and all his family were what? They were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. But guys, I want to tell you something. We're going to find out here in just a minute. Cornelius was still lost. What? How could he be lost? He was God-fearing. Do you know that just believing that there is a God doesn't save you? He prayed. Do you know that just praying won't save you? He gave money to the poor. Do you know that giving money in the offering basket every Sunday doesn't save you? Those are wonderful things. Those are things that we do because the result of salvation. But they don't save us. There's only one way to be saved. It's through Jesus Christ. It's asking him to come into your life, asking him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, believing that he died on an old rugged cross, believing that he paid the price for your sins. And guys, it seems like, you say, Brother Tom, this is about the third message in a row we've had on salvation. <laughs> guys, it's the most important story in this whole book. All right? It's the most important story in this whole book. And this is what Acts is about. The Lord wanted us to see through Acts and through the growing of the infant church and through the baby church as it's growing up. He wanted us to know that the main purpose of the church was to tell people about Jesus. It's very important. I know many of you are sitting in here in the morning and, and saying, I, I'm saved. I, I get what he's saying. I, I, why is he still preaching sermons on salvation? But as we work our way through Acts, I think it's very important not only to know that we're saved, but why we're saved, how we're saved. Or, and here's the big question, if we're saved. Because see, just coming to this church since you was a little girl or a little boy, that doesn't save you. I'm telling you this, even teaching a class doesn't save you. Me standing behind this pulpit, you know what? This didn't save me. I knew Jesus before I became a pastor. 
But I could preach and preach and preach and not be saved if I've never asked Jesus to, to save me, to believe in the one and only God, the one that died on the cross, to believe that he paid the price for my sins and received his free gift of salvation. Unless I do that, I'm not saved. This is huge this morning. There's a lot of people depending on their good will and their good deeds to get them to heaven. And guys, listen to me. I'm not saying don't do good deeds, but I'm saying make sure you don't get the cart before the horse. Make sure that you know Jesus first, and you'll understand a lot more why you do good things. But don't sit there doing good things trying to get to heaven. It's not going to get you there. And we see number one example here this morning. This just jumps off the page at you. Do not miss this this morning. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Daddy loved God. You don't know how many times I've heard that. Daddy loved God. Daddy knew the Bible. Daddy prayed every day. But did Daddy know Jesus? Those things are the results of salvation. Those things will come. But here, we see Cornelius had a lot of good things going on. He was as close to a Jew as you could possibly get. He just hadn't went through all the rights to be what they called a proselyte Jew. That was kind of like an adopted Jew. He was real religious. But guys, religious don't get you to heaven. I don't like when people say, oh, you're religious. I can do anything religiously. I can eat religiously. I can sleep religiously. I can play ball religiously. I can farm religiously. I can sing religiously, and none of that gets me to heaven. I can do anything religiously, and that's what Cornelius was doing. But I believe when Cornelius was praying, he was saying, Lord, I, I'm trying to do all that I know to do. I'm praying. I'm giving to the poor. I fear you, God. I believe in you, God. But would you, would you, would you send someone to me so that I can understand how to be saved? so that I can understand what this is all about. Would you send someone to me? And I believe God heard those prayers. Over in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, if you seek God and you seek him with all your heart, guess what? You'll find him. Because I promise you, if you go looking for God, he's not going to be hiding behind the bushes. He's not playing hide and seek with you. If you go looking for God, you'll find him because he'll come to you. He'll come to you. And that's what Cornelius was praying. God, God, help me. Help me find you. Help me not do just things. Help me know you. Help me know you in my heart. Help it be serious to me. And God answered his prayer. Let's see how he answered his prayer. He saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Verse 4. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. Now, real quick, he didn't understand the ministry of angels. The Jewish people understood that, but not the Gentiles. So he thinks it's Jesus. He thinks it's God. He don't know. So he calls him Lord. But it's an angel. It's a messenger. The angel answered, your prayers, listen to this, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. He, he, he's heard you. He's heard your prayers. He's thankful for that, okay? Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him and, and was gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one, at his, one of his attendants. He told, from, he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. 
So the angel comes, God answers his prayer. He said, God's heard your prayers. He's seen that you give to the poor. And now he's going to send you someone that's going to tell you the whole story. He's going to, t- he's going to send you someone. And it's amazing, guys, that we step aside just a minute, step out of the story just a minute. Peter is being prepared in a way that Peter never dreamed he could be prepared. Peter is, is a Jew. Peter is a devout Jew. And he is trying to do all the right things. He's not eating the wrong thing. The Jews don't want him to eat. He's going back to the Old Testament and doing all those, all those laws that were handed down in Leviticus. And he's doing all these things. But God is slowly shaping him into someone that can go out and reach anyone for Christ. Now, how do I, how do I know that? Well, in just a minute, we're going to read about Peter's vision that he has while these men are on the way to get him. But there's a little bit of a clue right here in that, that verse. Look down there in verse 6. Peter is staying with Simon the tanner. You know what a tanner is? Kind of like a taxidermist. Now, let, let me show you how he's, he's, he's preparing him. Someone that would touch dead animals to the Jewish people in that day were unclean. They were unclean. They couldn't go to the, 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 the synagogue. They, they couldn't go around other clean people, so to speak. They were unclean. Taxidermists were unclean because they touched dead animals. You couldn't do that. That was in the Levitical law. But here, Peter, a devout Jew, is staying with a taxidermist. You see how God's beginning to shape him? He's wanting to show him that no one is unclean. That every, that, well, let me put it this way. We're all unclean, amen? Let me, see, they were thinking that Jews were clean and everybody else was unclean. I'm good, you're bad. You know what we need to all say? I'm bad, you're bad, we're all bad, and we need Jesus Christ. We're all created by the same God, and guess what? We all need the same Savior. We're all created by the same God, and we all need the same Savior. And that puts us all level. Isn't that great? I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're all on level playing field here. I like that. I like that. And so he's beginning to shape, and I'll show you some more how he's shaping Peter. But here he's just, here Peter took a step across the line. Now, Peter's not denying Christ. He's not doing anything wrong. But God's trying to show him that what you're saying, I'm clean and you're not clean, is not the way to go about it. It's not the way to go about it. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's look at Peter's vision in verse 9. So, get back to our story. There's two men that Cornelius knows plus one of his soldiers. They're on their way to Joppa. Joppa's about 35 miles away. And their walking takes about two days to get there. And they come to Peter's house. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Now, in those days, they kind of had a flat deck roof, and they would take some steps. If you look at a lot of the old pictures, the steps were on the outside of the house, and they would come out, and they'd walk up those steps, and the whole roof was flat. Back in those days, there wasn't air conditioning or anything like that, and they would go up there and sleep at night because it was cooler, and they would sleep under the stars. And so he was going up there probably where it was a little cooler to pray. And he had a problem, kind of like I do when I pray sometimes. He became hungry, all right? Seems like we, we, you ever been praying and your mind just goes a hundred different ways? Your belly starts growling, you know? And so I might as well stop praying because all I can think about is I want a sandwich, you know? And so Peter's kind of going that direction here, all right? It's kind of funny. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. 
And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, or he kind of fell off to sleep. Now, he wanted to eat, but it wasn't ready yet, so he had to wait. Man, I hate that one. I've got to wait on my dinner. But he had to wait. And while he was waiting there, he just, it's kind of cool. The breeze is blowing. You can kind of see him there. And he kind of drifts off to sleep. He saw heaven opened. And something like a large sheet being let down the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals and, as well as reptiles and birds. You guys that like wild game, man, this is your story, all right? Rattlesnake and turtle and deer and, and all kind of things. It's just all on that sheet, all right? Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, and kill and eat. Now, this was way, you talk about shaping him. God's going to a place he'd never been before. Because they didn't believe in eating hoofed animals. They didn't believe in eating none of these wild animals. They had all these different regulations. I don't have time to go into all of them, but, you know, there was just certain ways they could prepare the meat, certain ways they had to eat, certain things they couldn't eat. And here, all of a sudden, every kind of animal is let down in this sheet in his dream, and God says, get up and kill it and eat it. Let's what what Peter said. Surely not, Lord, replied Peter. Now, you can say not, and you can say Lord, but you better not say not Lord, all right? That's something you don't want to ever say. You can say not, and you can say Lord, but it's not good to say surely not, Lord, all right? Because God knows. You're saying no to God. Peter replied, verse 14 there, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Here he is again. Where did he go again? I'm clean and you're not. I'm, I'm God's and you're not. You see how God's shaping him? You see how he's moving him into a new way? A new way of thinking? He's, he's, he's changing his mind. No, 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 don't look at it that way, God says. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Boy, what a verse. And guys, I'm not only talking about the animals that he's seen on that sheet. Let's get real honest with each other this morning. There's a lot of us that got a lot of prejudice in our hearts. There's a lot of people who think we're better than other people. There's a lot of people who think that I'm good and they're bad. And God says, don't you dare call anything I've made unclean. Let's, let's take a little further. You'll see what I'm talking about. This happens three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Go get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Now, you still see a little bit of hesitance here in Peter. What did, what did the dream just tell him? There's three men waiting for you downstairs. You go on down and don't you, don't you hesitate about going. You just go. It's okay. You go. But what did Peter first say? He says, I'm here. I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And, and you know, we would be curious Three strange men come up to our door we've never seen before. Hey, you're supposed to go with us. Why? Why? But God did tell him in the vision, he said, don't you hesitate about going. Let, let me tell all of us, let me tell myself and all of y'all, 
may we not hesitate about going to where God asks us to go. You see, when you're saved, when you give your heart to Jesus, he asks you to do something. And I don't know what that is. Everybody, he's asked you to do something else, something different. It may be telling your loved ones about the Lord. It may be telling someone at work. It may be living the life. It may be a, a thousand million things. But I'm telling you, when God saves you, he gives you a purpose. When God comes into your life, he gives you something to do. And he's asked every one of us, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Go. Go do what I've asked you to do. And that's hard. Because I think, I, think I, I know I've said, what do you want me to do, Lord? Why, why do you want me to go? You know, I've shared with you a hundred times about my call to ministry. Lord, why, why are you picking me? I'm 43 years old, Lord. I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. Because I've asked you to go. But Lord, I don't think I can do it. I've asked you to go. Lord, there's more people qualified than me. I've asked you to go. Don't hesitate. Just go. And guys, everyone in this room, he may not be calling you to be a pastor, but he's calling you to do something. Amen? Amen? Go ahead and say it. He has. Whether you agree with it or not. And we was talking about this morning. You know what? God's plan is going to get done. It's going to be with you or without you. It's going to get done. But he would love for you. He'd love to give you that opportunity to enjoy that and to be a part of that. So don't hesitate. Don't say why. And I guess you can say why. But, but once, once he says that, go. It, just go. Just go. The men replied, verse 22, We've come from Cornelius the centurion. Here again, once again, he is a righteous and God-fearing man. I think God wanted to see that. He says this about three times in this chapter. I think he wanted us to see this is not salvation. This is what the world called salvation. If I read these things right here, if I read this, he's a God-fearing man who is respected. He, 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 he gives to the poor. He, 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 he respects God. If I said, is that a saved man? Yeah, yeah, that's a saved man. We'd all say, he's saved. But God shows us three times in this chapter who he is. A God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to this house so he could hear what you have to say. Guys, that's what it is right there. We're all afraid to go. We're all afraid to witness. We're all afraid to say. But all, all that God wants us to do is just go and tell our story. Just go and tell your story. If you're saved, sitting in this room this morning, you have a story of how God did that. You have a before, you have a during, and you have an after. And just like he's, these men here said, Peter, God told us to come and get you. And he said, go. And he said, God wants you to come back and tell Cornelius your story. That's what he wants us to do, guys. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. God molds him a little bit more. It was not good. It was not permitted for a Jew to share any kind of time, to be friends with, to hang around with any kind of Gentiles. Much less sit down and eat with them. Much less them sleep in your house. Oh, my goodness. Can you see how God is moving Peter into a brand new ministry? He wants him to look at people in a brand new way. Maybe that's what we all need to do. Maybe we need to look at people in a brand new way. 
Guys, there's a whole lot of politics going on right now, and there's a lot going on about our borders down in Mexico and all that. And I don't stand up here to claim and know all about that. And and I know there's probably a a, a right way to do it rather than just kind of running across the border. But you know the first thing that I see in all this stuff going across our border is there's people in that crowd that need Jesus Christ. Now, you can agree or disagree with me. And like I said, I don't understand all the politics, and I'm sure there's a right way about immigration. There's a wrong way about immigration. But God did something in this country over 200 years ago. He brought this country about so that we could tell others about Jesus Christ. He brought immigrants from far and wide into this country. They called us a melting pot. And the reason God allowed that to happen so that people could come here and tell, hear the truth about Jesus Christ. Now, sadly, in 2014, there's not much truth being told about Jesus Christ in our country. But there's still some people telling the truth. There's still some people preaching the gospel. There's still people telling their neighbor about Jesus Christ. And these folks that are coming into our country... I know that we don't like the politics about it. I know we don't like the procedures that we're using. But I need us to think about one thing. I need us to look at things different, just like Peter had to look at things different. These folks need Jesus just like we need Jesus. And there is a reason why this is happening now. I believe we're in the last of the last days. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Only God knows that. And I told him this Wednesday night. But I do know this. I think God is allowing more people to come across our path so that we can tell them about Jesus Christ. So however your politics fits into that, you deal with that. But above all your politics and above all those other things, there's one thing that we need to remember. People are lost and people need Jesus Christ. And just like Peter had to look at Gentiles that he didn't like very much and he didn't approve of very much, and he thought they was unclean, Jesus said, nobody, nothing that I've made is unclean. You better get out there and tell them about Jesus because I love them and I died for them just like I died for you. And church, we need to understand that. We need to understand that. The next day, Peter started out with them. Some of the believers from Joppa went along. Peter's going to take some of the Jews with him. I like that. Now, what the Bible required or what the word or law required was one person to go along as a witness. He took three, three times as many. He wanted them to see what God was about to do. He probably didn't know himself, but he said, I'm going to take some witnesses with me. The following day, so they left the next day. Then the following day, they got there, two days. He arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Remember, it took about two days to get there and two days to get back. So in the meantime, Cornelius said, hey, all my family, come here. All my friends, come here. We're fixing to hear something great, and I want you to hear it. This is not a saved man. But he knew he was a God-fearing man. He knew that something important was about to be said. If you see an angel, something important is about to be said. And he gathered people in. He said, get in here. Get in here. And Peter had a captive audience. Verse 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. See how the shaping changed him? He, he's got a Gentile bowing to his feet. Three weeks ago, he would have said, that's where you need to be. You need to be beneath my feet because I'm a Jew. I'm clean and you're not clean. What did he say today? See how God been shaping him? He said, get up, I'm just a man. I'm just dirt like you. Isn't that something? 
Isn't it something how we see ourselves when we look in the eyes of God? I'm just a common man. I need a Savior just like you do. Man, that's huge. That's huge. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. I bet Peter started smiling. We're fixing to have church. We're fixing to have church. He said, he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has showed me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Let me read that one more time. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? He's still wanting to know that question. I I think he kind of knew, but I think also maybe God's asking Cornelius here, what what do you want? See, God wants to hear it from us. God's not going to force you to be saved. He's not going to force you to accept him. He wants to hear it from you. He wants you to take your free will and ask him to save you. And, and, and just, this is me just thinking. As he says, why, why have you asked me here? I think God is kind of asking that question through Peter, saying, what do you want, Cornelius? What do you want? And Cornelius begins to speak. Cornelius answered, verse 30, real quickly. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me, he said. Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon, the tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true that it is God does not show favoritism. Boy, underline that. I know how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Every nation. Do you know that if a radical Muslim walked in this building today and accepted Christ, Jesus would save him? Do you believe that? If someone from the streets of Kaiser walked in this room today and asked to be saved, he would save them. He would save the Jew. He would save the Gentile. He would save the black and the white and the red and the yellow as we used to sing. He, he said, I'm not going to hold back anyone that believes in me can be saved. May we know that. May we realize that. Verse 36, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel. He begins to just preach to them, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He just begins to introduce him to Jesus Christ. He's just introducing him to Jesus Christ. Guys, that's an easy way to witness right there. He said, Brother Todd, I don't know what to say. I don't know all the verses to say. I don't know how to do this. Introduce him to Jesus. You know enough about Jesus. What did Jesus do? He went about doing miracles. He died on the cross. He loved us so much. He rose again. Boys, this is good. Verse 39, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen 
by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets, here's the big verse, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What a wonderful verse. And everyone, let's see, in the Greek, everyone means uh, everyone, all, everyone. Everyone that, who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You want to go to heaven someday? You want, to, you want to get your sins forgiven? Believe in the one that died on the cross. His name is Jesus Christ. And he will save your soul. Everyone that does that, he'll save them. Woo, amen. Can you see the door just got kicked wide open? Woo! You ever see them, those, uh, those cop movies, you know? And we're coming in. Man, they turn in and kick the door open. God just kicked the door wide open. Boom! Everyone. Everyone that believes can believe. Isn't that great? Everybody say amen. 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 He kicked it open. For me and you, this is our big moment right here. Until this time, we, me and you, as Gentiles, we couldn't be saved. Right now, we can. Because of this event, we can be saved. And all God's people said amen. Woo! That's make a Baptist shout. That's good. Come on, shout with me, Miss Mildred. She goes out here every Sunday. I'm going to shout it today. I said, you better shout. You better not hold that back. Because that's from God. That's from God. That's good stuff. While Peter was still speaking, I love this part, guys. I know it's long, but hang in there. i got to finish. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. He didn't even get to finish his sermon, Brother Danny. Man, sit down. Just sit down. Don't get saved yet. i got to finish. i got three more points here. He didn't do that. While Peter, he just, he just kicked the door open with God. And he said, all that believe, and all of a sudden they believed. They believed right then. And the Holy Spirit fell on that place. Woo! And they were saved. He changed their life. And, and here's the preacher's dream. Everybody in the room got saved. I've never preached a sermon where everybody in the room got saved. I seen a family one night in my office two, two or three times. The whole family gets saved just about. But here he's preaching to a pretty good crowd, and everybody in the room got saved. Whoo, man, I'd like that. That'd be good. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the Jewish people. Remember those three people he brought with him? Now, their eyes are getting about this big around. Remember, they came into the room thinking this was for us. And now God's showing them something that he's been showing Peter. And their eyes just get big as they, and look what they've seen. The, the circumcised believers who came, come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the, even the Gentiles. These unclean people. They're having their own Pentecost. Here's our Pentecost. Acts 1, Acts 2, and there you've seen Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on the Jewish people. Here we are 10 years later, and we're having another Pentecost. It's the the Pentecost day for the Gentiles. And and they're saying, you know what? Here's what they're thinking. These Jewish people are thinking, this is just the way it happened on our day. This is just the way it happened. It's got to be the same. It's got to be real. 
For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. They were speaking of God. They were worshiping God. They were speaking in ways that the whole room could understand. It was the Gentile day of Pentecost, if you want to look at it that way. It's it's, it's for everybody. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. He's preaching. Holy Spirit falls on the place. He just says, man, let's just stop and baptize. Let's just stop and start baptizing folks. Because the Holy Spirit's fell on these people, and there's no doubt. He looks at his three friends, three Jewish friends. What do you think? I think God fell, don't you? I think the Spirit fell. What do you think? I think they're saved. What's keeping them from being baptized? And this becomes the, the way from now on, the way you found Christ. You remember, we've been seeing Christ work through different groups. The Jewish people, the Holy Spirit fell. They believed, you know, and they were baptized. And then now we see the way that we're saved now. We see that we believe in Jesus. The Spirit falls upon us. He indwells us. And we're baptized to show what has happened in our heart. From this day forward, this would be the procedure that would happen. Remember a few, few chapters back, they received Christ. They were baptized and then they laid their hands on him. They received the Holy Spirit. He did it different for the Jews. Not a different salvation, but a different method so that they would understand where he's coming from. But all along, each step of the way, he wanted everyone to see that they were just the same. The Jews weren't better than the Samaritans. The Samaritans weren't better than the the Jews. The Gentiles weren't better than them. The Jews weren't better than the Gentiles. Everyone, no one I've made, no one I've made, everyone, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a great day at Cornelius' house, amen? What a day. What a day. Man, I bet Peter was about that high off. And he stayed with them. He, he He did the Great Commission. You remember... You remember Peter had denied Christ three times? And you remember they were out in a boat fishing? And they're coming into the, to the bank, and somebody's up there cooking breakfast. And it's, Peter said, it's the Lord. And he just bails off the boat, man. He just jumps off the boat and swims all the way to the shore. And he said, Lord, it's, it's good to see you. And a little bit later, after they'd ate their breakfast, Jesus began to kind of quiz him a little bit. He said, Peter, do you love me? What did he say? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Look what he's doing here. What does it say in that last verse? Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. What's Peter doing? Exactly what him and Jesus was saying, talking about. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. When we become Christian, we're his sheep. And there, Peter was, was taking up that promise that he'd given Jesus that, that day on the seashore. He said, I'm going to feed your sheep. I'm going to do what you ask. And he held the keys of the kingdom and began to open door after door of what God had for him. Man, what a great, great thing. Our last screen this morning, closing. For the grace of God hath appeared, bringing salvation to all men. All, all men. Thank you, God. Thank you for this wonderful gift. The gift, the greatest miracle of all, the gift of salvation. Let's bow together. And Father, what a, what a wonderful reading this morning. 
What an exciting time in the history of the church. And Lord, what an exciting time for us as Gentiles that you would allow us to, to know you as Savior. Lord, thank you for letting us remember once again that we're all equal, that we're not better than anyone else. Lord, that we're all the same. We're all created by you. Same creator, and we, need a, we all need the same Savior. Lord, speak to hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.